You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. Alright, this is our first week in our new series. I am pretty excited. And let me tell you what, it has been the funnest thing when people have come up to me and been like, yo, Kel, what series are we doing? And then I look dead in their eyes and I say, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. (laughs) And they kind of look at me weird and they're like, what? Okay, so tell me again, what's what's the series name? And then I say it more normally and not so creepily, but it's more fun to do it that way. So anyways, this week I have been really excited to talk to you guys about this message because it's something that I've been wrestling with personally recently. I feel like with February, there's a lot of feelings that are going around, right? Especially in this day and age with with this age group, right? Everyone's like, oh man, like National Singles Day or maybe you got a date or maybe you're going out and doing something. But there's a lot of things going on and especially right after the holidays and just people catching up, trying to start the new year, there's things going on. And maybe you're already in the rhythm of things. But I know for me, I found myself at times being like, dang, I'm just kind of in a desert almost. I'm on the opposite side of things where I'm feeling like nothing. Both emotionally, like if anything, exhausted, and I'm feeling kind of like in a desert spiritually, and I'm just not hearing from God. But yet, I think to myself, I'm trying to do all the right things. What's going on? And so today, I kind of want to talk to all of us about what love is and what it's not. So let me just find the sermon real quick. I got a lot of files saved, and I think this is it. Sweet. All right, when I edit my sermons, I kind of make, like, so many files because then I'll, like, erase some and then post another. Yeah. Anyways, it's a long thing, so I think this is the right one. And it doesn't help, too, that I name them all the same thing. So, uh, anyways, all right. So, uh, again, this is our series, What is Love? Baby, Don't Hurt Me. But before I get into the word of things, I want to ask you a question. If I were to come up to you and ask you where you think you are relationally with God, what would you say? Would you say that maybe he's far, maybe he's close? Would you say that you guys are good, maybe you're not? Now, I'd want to ask you why. Why do you say that? Is it because of something you feel? Let's turn to John chapter 10, if you would. If you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps, open it up to John chapter 10. Now, my sermon title is called, To Know Christ is to Know Love. And so hopefully, as we uncover the scriptures today of what Christ is, of who he is, of what he did, we can uncover what love is. John chapter 10, verse 1, it says this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger, in fact. No, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. 
Now, what Jesus was basically saying in a nutshell on this, if you, if you didn't catch it, Jesus is telling the Pharisees that there is no way that they can be their own savior. No way. Not only that, but there is no way that anyone else can save but him. And there's no one else who can lead, and that there is only one way into this pasture, and that is through him himself, the gatekeeper. But they did not understand. Verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, stepping into this pasture is, is extraordinary. It, it's something that I kind of skipped over whenever I read this, but I thought to myself when I was reading it this time, man, what, what is this pasture? See, I don't believe that Jesus is saying that we were even born into this pasture. I don't think that he was even saying that we were already in it or, or had been in it. No, he's saying, but instead that we need to enter into it. And the only way to do that is through him. But again, what is this pasture? What is this place? I believe that it's a way of life. It, it's living a life, being loved, and giving love. The whole Christian life is that way, if you think about it. Receiving and then giving. See, we are given this thing, love, by God, and then we are to give it out. That's what the whole image of the cross is, right? We're given it from God, and then we go spread it out amongst the people around us. And that's the two greatest, most biggest commands, right? To love God and to love others. But how do we love God unless he first showed us? So then, verse 11, I'm getting somewhere with this. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The hired hand. How many of you guys have ever played the game uh, House when you were like... Little, little kids. Like, raise your hand if you know what that game is. Okay, a couple of us. Yeah, yeah. So I, I used to play this game. It was, like, in first grade, right? And it's this game, for those of you who don't know, where, like, one of us would be, the, like, the mom or the dad. And, and then there would be that weird kid who eats dirt who would be the dog or something. And then we'd all, like, be this, like, weird little happy family, right? And we'd kind of, like, play around in, like, the little kitchen setup area that we'd have in our, in our classroom or whatnot, right? And, uh... And it's weird. I'm finding myself in my 20s, and I'm still finding people playing house. <laughs> like, we're, we're, I find people living together. I, I'm finding that people are still doing their thing and, and pretending like it's a family. And what's sad is that, man, it's, it's a substitute. It, it's the hired hand. And what's unfortunate to me is that people don't really understand the cost of it. A study showed recently, and I, I saw this before I was even prepping for the sermon, that a big indicator of divorce is how long a couple lives together before they get married. A big indicator. And so when I read that, I was like, wow, that's a lot of people, right? And it's the difference between working out and wearing a tight shirt. 
See, you may look good, you may feel good wearing a tight shirt, but what happens when you need to get in a fight? What happens when the battle comes to you? See, what's even worse though, it's not the sense of you just living in this false reality where you're in your own world of its own, but it's when you become dependent on this false reality, this fantasy that you've made up in your mind. See, if you're dependent on the hired hand, everything may be good until the wolf shows up. You may think you're right with God because you may feel him during worship, but are you? And maybe on the other hand of things, right? Maybe you, you've been doing the things that you think, man, I, I'm doing everything right. I don't know what's going on, and yet I feel so far away. But what's the two common denominators there? You both, what? Feel. As a society and as Christians, I believe we have been misled. I believe we have followed a lie that will hurt our perspective in everything that we do. And that lie is that our feelings dictate truth. But even further than that, our feelings justify our actions. And as Christians, we've per perpetrated that too. We've manipulated the lights, the music, the message to make everyone feel a certain way. And yet, we're all riding on this false reality of what's true. The hired hand may make you feel good, but it may not be good. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Pause. Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. We can't just feel safe. We need to know that we are safe. And with Jesus, you are. See, when I'm walking with Abby in LA, I don't want her to just feel safe. I want her to know that with me, she is safe. But if we're just walking alone, just feeling safe, what good is that? Who are we fooling but ourselves? Forget what everyone else is thinking. What about you? For me, I found myself in this place recently where I was like, man, like, you know, it can be easy, especially when you're around Christian circles, trying to put on a, a smile and being like, yo, everything's good. And, you know, reality is it, it wasn't. And so I kind of secluded myself because I was like, no, I don't want to be fake. And so I started like moving away a little bit. And then I realized, man, like my feelings don't dictate my truth. See, the truth is, is that God has been here. And I don't know if you've been in that place too, where you felt like he is far, but he's not. Verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Going back to the cross symbol I made earlier, right? We, we grab the love that God has given us. We've taken it. And we're able to spread it to everyone else. Going back to that, the two greatest commands we have been given is to love God and love people. Now, if we've been given a love that we didn't deserve, 
On the flip side of things, are we letting our actions withhold the love from others? If we're sitting here being given a love that we did not deserve, why are we acting as though we can withhold a love that you think others don't deserve? See, because I don't want this message to just fall on deaf ears about you and God. Like, maybe you guys are good, but what about you and others? And I think in this, this season of our lives, we need to be, especially in this day and age, we need to be loving. I think we need to stop and realize we are not the only sheep of his pen. We need to realize that there are other peoples out there. And yes, the feelings that I felt inside, the feelings that you might have felt inside shouldn't seclude you from others. It shouldn't move you away from loving others, from doing life with others. One of the most powerful things happened recently. I, I started up my men's group and we really started getting back into the word again. You know what I found out? I'm not alone. Isn't it a novel thought like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one feeling these things. And yet I thought I was. And it was so cool being able to do life with others who are going through some of the same things. But what will our excuse be if we don't love others in return? Now, verse 17 through 21 the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is a demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? See, either these people are saying this man is speaking the truth or it is, a, it is a lie. And I don't know where you fall in those categories today. Maybe you're somewhat in the middle of a skeptic. But I want to suggest and, and ask you that if what these words are saying is true, then why are you letting the feelings dictate otherwise? Why I think it's so important to understand this is because David in the Bible, he, as you guys know, is someone who went through so many different things, so many trials, did some bad stuff too, like horrible things. And yet he was called a man after God's own heart. And one of the psalms that he wrote that is the most, one of the most famous ones is Psalm 23. And this is just what I want to leave with you. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. 
See, love isn't about receiving a feeling, but having a knowing. Do you know that Christ is for you? Do you know that he is there with you? Don't let your love dictate how you think God thinks about you or how you should treat others. Don't let your feelings get in the way of loving God and loving people because God loves you. And he's called you to respond with his love to give to others. And even in the toughest of times, David knew God was with him. And so I hope you do too. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the start of this new season. Thank you so much that we get to dive into what it means to love others and love you in this series. To be able to get advice about relationships and marriage and dating and all sorts of great things that are to come. But Lord, help us to understand, first of all, to be a people of love. To be your child. The one whom serves love. God, I thank you for the example that you set. Pray that you'd help all of us to question in our hearts, really, what is it that we're feeling? And to compare it to the truth of your word. Let us value your word above all. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.